Good evening. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Experiencer Podcast, the podcast that brings you upfront and personal with past and present enigmatic experiences from individuals who have witnessed or even interacted with the strange, the extraordinary, and the otherwise unknown existence of UFOs or aliens. If you've had an out-of-this-world experience you'd like to share, please reach out to me at theexperiencerpodcast at gmail.com. If you have photos or footage of UFOs, IAPs, or any other extraordinary phenomena and would like to share it, please forwarded to the experiencer podcast at gmail.com this is the inaugural episode of the experiencer podcast as such i'd like to welcome everyone again every week i'll take the time to share listen to and interview individuals that allege to have had an extraordinary encounter or encounters with ufos now referred to as iaps astounding sightings of alien craft and close encounters of the same kind as well as, and yet not limited to the seemingly otherworldly, will also occasionally take other encounters, such as run-ins with those mysterious creatures now infamously referred to as cryptids, such as Bigfoot, Dogman, the Jinn, even Shadow Beings and the Paranormal, as well as any other time-traveling, multi-dimensional, or quantum encounters that likely take place within the peripheral of mankind's everyday. Admittedly, this is a large umbrella under which we're considering here on the show. There is, contrary to conventional thinking, quite a mission at hand. That is, to expand the mind and open us all to the possibilities outside the realm of our everyday, to that which is one of the experiencer. Since this is the first episode of the Experiencer podcast, I thought it only fair that if I'm going to delve into others' accounts, I too should be willing to share and divulge my own bizarre, enigmatic, and years-long experiences with the same phenomenon that inspires my own efforts. So without further ado, the following are my own experiences thus far. I'd like to tell you my experience in as simple and concise a means as possible. I'd like to say it all started with such and such at this date and this was the single or X amount of times that I've witnessed said extraordinary event. Unfortunately, this won't be that version. Quite yet, anyway, as I'm still piecing it all together myself. As for the many details of my story, I will preface it by saying this. If I was conscious at the time of any particular detail, then I do in fact remember this strange occurrence or facet quite vividly. Albeit, many of the details were buried deep inside my subconscious for well over a decade. That is to say, until they all bubbled up along with my dreams of these experiences, the details from the dreams themselves have remained there in a sort of visceral fog that keeps certain details from me, whilst giving me glimpses and clues gradually, bit by bit over time. It was around 2006-2007 when my dreams began to occur. At least when I started to retain them, their frequency and their context. I can only assume they happened for at least a number of months before I was actually able to assemble them in a more complete or coherent manner. To reiterate, I was around 27 years old, still a resident of Las Vegas, Nevada, with one child about 3-4 years old, living with my lady and going to college, just to paint the picture for you, when the first phase of dreams began. 
My dreams would flash back to myself at a younger age, sometime between 1990 to 93, give or take a year. That would make me around 10 to 13 years old and a youthful resident of Las Vegas, Nevada. In part, I recall this time in particular because I was old enough to mow mine in my neighbor's yard, earning a whole $5 each week or so, from spring to fall, finally culminating in a purchase of an Emerson boombox that costs upwards of $50 to $100. This boombox will come to play in the story soon enough. Per my usual bedtime rituals of finishing a normal evening of comic books, uh, TV, and or on the phone with a girl if I was lucky, I began to wind down. I had this digital clock with red numbers I would always glance to, usually around this time about 10.30 p.m., sometimes as late as 11.15, 11.45. I would then separate my blinds and peer out in an ominous and familiar gaze over the North Valley, to which end I would consciously repeat this curious ritual every night before bed for maybe three to five years at least, always having an abstract feeling of expecting something this is where curiously not every night as sometimes it could be in the middle of the day the boom box would just come on sometimes it was just static or noise as if it was stuck between channels but please believe as a little kid it was always quite startling regardless it did get to a point to where I would unplug the thing, but it would just come on anyway. And this would happen again and again. At first I thought it was simply communications transmissions from a nearby base, such as Nellis Air Force Base. Now I consider it may very well have just been any of the nearby military installations or atomic energy commission sites just the other side of the northern mountain from Las Vegas. From Yucca Mountain, where nuclear storage has been deposited since at least the 1980s, to the Tonopah Test Range, Area 51, S-4, you name it, there's a whole host of drone and aviation bases as well, tucked back in the Indian Springs Creech Air Force Base Range, again, all just northwest of Vegas. When the communications did come through, while fragmented, they were often quite frantic, back and forth comm relays and replies in which I can only assume were multiple units over a variety of sectors reporting in with visual confirmation. In a semi-distorted feedback of sorts, their words would burst over my boombox, very audible and somewhat distinct. Shelton, please be advised. Report visual and other anomalies in your sector, over. Repeat, be on high alert. This is Bravo team, we have something. It's big and bright. Whoa, it just passed over us. This is Echo Unit, that's an affirmative. We have a visual. It's here. It's above us. It's here. And just as quick as it started, it would be over. Dream-wise, all this takes at least six months, if not closer to a year or so, if I had to guess. Just to reveal this minuscule of backstory in its entirety, 
and in a variety of pilfered forms that built up to the aforementioned happenings. As there were a number of alternate nights wherein the same yet different occurrences happened. Mostly things in the setting were minutely different, such as radio involved or no radio, deep in comic books or just finishing a late night romantic call, or plainly turning off the TV to go to bed. All of which finished in the same place, with one emerging detail of consistency, myself at the same time, same place, peering out the blinds, to spot something bright on the horizon. You heard me. A fair amount of nights, I would pivot from the digital clock with red numbers to the rather large window beside me, and through my blinds and out my second story view of the North Las Vegas Valley and skyline to spot what started out as a bright dot on the horizon, and turned into something that would move into a straight line towards my house. At first I would get anxious at this now familiar happenstance, when just as sudden I would become drowsy and with one last glance at the bright red numbers on the clock, I was out. So maybe a year of nostalgic dreams later, and the dreams would pick up where I have shared this far, when it all transitioned into me half passed out against the window or slumped against my wall, as the intense brightness filled my room with such force that I've often thought the light is somehow what knocked me out in some way. The next images I'm quite aware are both classical to abduction witnesses and yet sadly mistaken for cliché are that of being abducted via the invisible force field that lifts me from my seated position up and through the now empty window frame up still further and towards the aforementioned truly bright craft. I am now dazedly aware of being inside of something. In fact, I can somehow see out as if I'm leaned against a transparent wall of sorts. Because I watch out and through the hull of this craft as we depart up and away from the house. We move across the valley, back in the same direction as it came from. Central Valley to the north, while I'm peering out, facing south. I watch my home shrink, then the neighborhood and its familiarity. Soon the city and its lights as we raise up over what I can only assume is the mountain. Then I observe land with a small patch of city lights between its silhouetted mountains that shrink as they fade behind clouds. And lastly, atmosphere, when I feel a cold, lonely thought come over me of how far from home I must be and become afraid, alone by myself. This isn't where the dream finishes. Peculiar thing as my view becomes filled with blackness of space. It only lasts a short time before a glowing circle shows itself on the horizon. We near quickly enough that I soon realize that it is the moon itself. The vehicle I'm in approaches the bright side of the moon, then just as soon circles around to its dark side. That's when my view becomes that of a dark silhouette with bright edges when I notice what appears to be lights on its surface that glow in the dark. The small stretch of lights expand until I can make out the details. We are approaching a small city of cylindrical dome and other stainless steel buildings, complete with its very own, albeit short, runway and air traffic control tower. Whatever the craft is, we don't make a conventional descent like a plane 
Instead, we bank toward the runway, then come to a stop above it and lower straight down onto the middle of the runway. I'm quite afraid at this point and recall having absolutely no idea what's going on, where my mom is, or how I got there. My fear mounts, yet at the same time I somehow become more and more aware that this is not a dream. Though it appears that I'm in a fairly larger space of the craft and there is no one around, I again become aware of something or someone watching me. That's when I notice that a door to the outside opens. I slowly step to the doorway and just as cautiously I peer out. I don't see anyone anywhere, just a lone airstrip where on a short metallic runway lights spaced approximately 25 feet apart dot the edges of the short strip of pavement. On the opposite side of the runway is a large outcrop of boulders that sit directly across from me and the craft just off the runway itself. I'm spooked by something that approaches from behind. I make a rather drunken feeling leap and what I'm sure was several steps across the runway to the outcrop of boulders. In a fit of panic and with some surprise that I can breathe without assistance, and in the rather bouncy version of a run, I dive behind the rocks themselves to hide from whatever it is that pursues me. I can recall forcing myself to crane my neck and glance around the rocks to look back towards the craft. Long fingers appear on its doorframe from inside, then a head of foreign shape emerges. I'm absolutely taken aback and begin to reel when it spots me. The next thing I know, uh, again, within the context of feeling drunk, wherein only a couple of bouncy and faint images come to me. I'm now scared to death as I'm in the arms of this thing. It carries me facing backwards in a most embarrassing nature, back to what I can only assume was the space vehicle. That is all I can recall anyway of the moon base before seeing everything again in reverse. We lift up off the moon and runway as the lights shrink below the dark side of the moon uh, as we encircle it, it gets smaller and then back to the bright side of the moon before the entire thing itself shrinks in total darkness. I'm frozen solid with fear until I see the earth return in my view. Somewhat small at first then larger as we approach. It's at this moment that I somehow understand I'm being returned home and all will be normal soon. The atmosphere and clouds are again before us, then the mountains and at last a very small city not much larger than the one on the moon, both alone in a desert, appear in front of me as we close in on it, drop over a mountain and make the final approach over the city itself. It is of note that once memories return due to these dreams, something else personal and poignant returned to me. That is, I very much remember being and I still am an avid fan of art and illustration. I used to spend hours in class doodling before I learned, then lost some ability of drawing in junior high. It was elementary, though, that I was all consumed by drawing one thing in particular, and that was a spaceship. A rudimentary drawing, no doubt. Still, I couldn't get it out of my head no matter how hard I tried. I specifically remember drawing this thing in a slowly evolving manner from first grade all the way through fifth grade at least. It very much resembled 
the smaller Star Trek away teams craft. Also, some importance is that I have been insomniac as long as I can remember from a very young age. If I were to pinpoint the beginning of this nightly nuisance, I would, after having this first phase of dreams, definitely label these very surreal experiences as the underlying cause or culprit. For years, I would continue to have the ominous feelings of being interrupted in my sleep or awaiting something in the night, even to this very day. Though in my later years, I learned how to turn the quiet nights and wakefulness into quite the productive time for reading, research, creative writing, editing, and the like. That concludes the first phase. I call them phases because this single section of dreams took likely dozens, if not over a hundred of attempts on my subconscious behalf, as just to stay immersed in the lucid dream long enough to get past the dozens of emotional triggers that would often startle me awake at each turn, especially as I'm a light sleeper. Any real-world noises easily become distractions that awaken me. This whole time as well, I was in college for film production, wrapping up my associate's degree. I really attribute a great deal of these dreams being stirred due to the nature of learning filmmaking. It's very much cathartic craft that harnesses the left and right brain activity, stimulated via the art, as well as the science involved in turning thoughts and dreams via the craft into visual stories and films. Either way, for a long time, I didn't say much to my significant other. I would awake with mad, provocative, yet fleeting and vague impressions and images. It wasn't until I could retain and put together an entire sequence, as well as it jogging loose of familiarity, that truly unlocked these as my own personal memories. To return to my point, as I went, it wasn't until I was able to say a thought process allowed to myself that I would say, hey baby, uh, I know this will sound crazy, but peep these dreams I've been having. They remind me of dozens if not hundreds of nights I had growing up, and so on. I definitely wanted to have a coherent bit of, albeit obviously intertwined and rather out of this world experiences, of course, my lady didn't exactly know what to say. But anyone would give her this, she was supportive, and for that I'll always be thankful. By now it's around 2008 to 2010. I'm 28 to 30 years old. I was starting on my bachelor's at UNLV, still furthering my path of film production and with child number two now on the way. To clear up any confusion, indeed, I went to college later than most. I didn't decide until 23 as my first child was being born that it would be in the best interest of myself and my future to go back to school to chase some higher learning and create better opportunities. This is where my dreams graduate to something else entirely. It is interesting to note as I began to process everything, I'm realizing the dreams each coincide with the same length of time of about one to three years. And each set of dreams are approximately 10 years from the inciting incident itself as if some kind of full circle of sorts. The second phase of dreams, however, are much less invasive and are now taking place when I was around 18 to 20 years old. A little background for a large part of that, I lived on my own. I had an apartment, though sometimes I roomed with friends within the same couple of blocks. Each day I woke up early at about 4.20 a.m. I jumped on the eastbound Sahara bus to a 6 a.m. claims adjuster job. 
I would get off that and back on the 4.20 p.m. <laughs> to return back west up Sahara to my night job. I worked evenings at a movie theater, eventually becoming a projectionist. After the job wrapped around 10.45 p.m., I would walk home by myself through and across four very large blocks, past food and retail, a lakefront community, townhomes, and lastly my apartments. It was between this rather monotonous couple years of grind that my dreams would now take place. It's rather peculiar to be 28, 30 years old dreaming every other night of being back when I was 18 to 20 years old. If that wasn't bizarre enough, without the next facet of what I'm about to share. For the life of me, I have to admit, as during this couple of years I kicked around the same few blocks on a very nice side of town, obviously working my ass off, made a few new friends in the area, that in all honesty, I do have the hardest time remembering details of my waking life. I of course recall working both jobs, and even hanging out with friends and the rare few men's between. However, it's the time in between those times where I have a fog in place of any solid memories. It's literally just the vague recollection of a walk home every night after my theater job, if any at all. Obviously, I was likely fatigued and a bit overworked, so no doubt that can be a factor. I nonetheless only recall half a dozen times walking home where there should be, in fact, hundreds of memories of myself walking the regular route. Indeed, this is where the second phase of dreams come into play. The dreams would pick up almost every single time at the same place, which is to say in the evening on the way home from my second job at the movie theater after I passed the retail block and began in earnest to walk past the wealthy lakeside community and into the townhomes and apartments that made up the second half of my trek. In total, I would guess the jaunt home to be a little over a mile. Within this distance, my dreams would always pick up as I walked a lone path that wound between the last two blocks of townhomes and apartments. I would cut through the adjacent apartments, even bounding over a gated fence, likely five and a half feet tall. It was in this precise spot that my dreams would happen, each one with curious differences. The first version of these dreams I can retain, I went over the fence and that's when I spotted something above and behind following me. I looked to see what it was. Oddly enough, it seemed to whisk up and backwards with the breeze, then the same as I looked up to further analyze. In the next version, I had passed the fence, and I was just beginning to cut through the townhomes when I had a feeling of being watched. Its shadow proved to be on the ground in front of me, giving away its position, of it following me from above. I was kind of objective. The dream was like a movie scene, where you're aware, and so willing oneself to react. In another version, it was now afternoon, as I sometimes work daytime shifts at the theater on the weekends. I did the same thing, attempting to reach up as it went over the fence. It, of course, easily avoided capture. It's at this point that I sensed this was an actual physical object of some intelligence. Another half dozen versions ensued, wherein one I attempted further analysis, from sitting on the fence for a better view, to my first personal favorite in which I feigned walking, then all of a sudden stutter steps to my finale where, like a humanoid robot, I imitated shut down, hoping to force the object to investigate. 
when I would spontaneously return to life and reach for the thing, to which it flew backward, lost its control, or I simply bumped it with my finger. Either way, it crashed to the ground and into hundreds of little pieces that fizzled out of existence within seconds. Eerily similar to the Men in Black movie wherein Will Smith's character knocks a space gun from an alien's hand, it crashes to the ground and bursts into a gazillion pieces. It's in the same instance, and I completely recall the feeling of frustration while simultaneously completely fascinated with what just happened. At last, through some process of elimination of these objects' likely trajectory and maneuverability, I managed to deduce my best bet was to wait until I had a day with shifting winds, as it appeared to almost float or flutter on the winds, with very minimal propulsion otherwise. All that leads to the last and longest dream of Phase 2, of me trekking while being watched. It was a dusty sunset one fall day, the breeze was gentle and one directional, then would stop completely every few minutes for just a moment before beginning again. As I made my way over to the gate, then into the next complex, I crossed an open distance of grass and rock landscape when I felt the breeze slow. So I slowed as I neared a boulder. When the breeze stopped, I sensed the object above and behind me began to lose altitude which is when I turned 90 degrees, leaped one leg out to the boulder beside me, then leaped off it in another 90 degree angle to face backwards and straight at this object. I would guess I was now approximately 8 to 11 feet up. This time I caught it. I reminded myself to be as delicate and to not lose hold as I landed with the object in hand. I had the elated desire to want to shout out, yet instead found myself checking around for observers seen or unseen before I tucked the object into my shirt and made off towards home. Of course not before I stole a quick glance at exactly what I caught, especially having the inclination that I should before something happened, like it fizzling out of existence or some other fantastic circumstances. While I don't remember what happened upon looking down, as if every time I did it took my memories of such a sight, it's as if Every time I gazed at it, be the pulsing or the bright light, when I looked away from it, I returned to consciousness. I'll tell you, what I do recall seeing quite vividly from looking at it is that the object was 6 to 12 inches at its longest. Oddly, its dimensions were both squared and its entire makeup as well as texture appeared crystalline as in its frame and total color value were completely transparent. That's unfortunately all I can recollect. While drones are the craze and normal in today's society, I do have to make a point that in those years that this took place in the late 90s, early 2000s, so far as any of us were aware, there was no such thing as drones back then. All that being said, I can definitely point to similar traits in technology. I personally may not have noticed propellers in the conventional sense, but all the same capabilities of observation and automated or remote control were deployed. What happened after was just as peculiar. I ventured the short distance to my apartment and quickly found refuge. It was a quiet fall evening as I went back to my single bedroom that had very little but a bed, dresser, and a new boom box. A few outfits were in the closet. 
often a couple on the floor to be washed, and an ironing board that appeared to always be in mid-use. I sat on the bed with no frame or box springs in an almost slow motion, and finally unveiled what I had at last caught. Again, all I can gather is a pulsing glow that I fell entranced to before I finally pull away and consciously return to myself. Clearly, I needed to find it a safe space for keeping, to which end I promptly put it in my closet on the floor, I believe. I took down some shirts and jeans still on their hangers and made a small soft pile to cradle it upon. My next memories are an attempt to relax and watch my small TV from the lone couch in the living room. I kept craning my head to glance down the hallway, half expecting something to happen. At this point, I think I pretty much made my mind up who or what owned this technology, and that they were likely to return for it. That's about when all became very still and quiet. It was after 9 or 10 p.m., and nothing was on TV, so I decided to call it a night. This must have been one of the only couple of evenings a week I didn't work at the theater, and so was just exhausted on my night off. It was around this time I think I attempted to go to bed. Restless, only a few minutes later I returned to the living room, only to drift off almost immediately. Shortly after, I was stirred by a bright light outside my apartment. It moved slowly past the living room, finally coming to a stop outside my bedroom. In my mind's eye, I can still see the incredibly bright light that penetrates the blinds of the apartment. Inside, it filled the walls with a blanket of dense light that trekked across every wall in the apartment. I think I may have ducked down or acted as if I was still asleep when I saw it. I watched the back room fill with a bright light that made me drowsy. I assume again that it actually did because I fell back asleep. When I awoke, it was morning, and the first thing I did was check my closet, only to find an empty pile of clothes. The last image I retain is of me brushing my teeth that following morning, again absolutely crushed by the inevitable. By now, I'm regularly interpreting all these ever-flowing dreams. I'm turning 30, I have my second daughter, I'm halfway through my second degree, my poor lady is listening and doing her best to support all this personal disclosure, seeming speculation, and wild conjecture. It was definitely a trying time, and a lot to balance for both of us. And of course, that's not all. There is still one final phase of dreams left to experience. I can recall getting up for work or school in the morning and waking up in just a mad sweat or anxious and nervous, or just really ruffled and curious as to why I was feeling so. What might happen, or why I was feeling so flustered. As was the way with the beginning of each phase prior, I couldn't hold on to the images, yet I would have pretty strong feelings when I woke. Eventually the images would be burnt into my mind as I would often spring awake from such powerful and frightening visions. It was at this point that my dreams completely changed to that of, more often than not, hostile alien evasions. I would like to offer a disclaimer of sorts. I'm sure there are as many aliens and alien agendas as there are in the human spectrum of traits and motivations. Nonetheless, the majority of my relentless dreams would be so tumultuous and all-consuming that I did awaken fits or panic or with all-day anxiety. 
At first, the dreams, which felt more like visions by this point, were of just a mothership. The next version, there were dogfights in the sky above us, seemingly just between alien invaders. The next day, we're driving through the countryside and spot a lone or a number of large craft hovering half-cloaked in the distance. By the end, the dreams had shifted into a total and complete full-scale invasion or war. In this same dream, I hold on to the most. The family is in the car when a large thunderous sound comes from the clouds. I peer up towards the source and spot an enormous mothership that completes re-entry into the upper atmosphere in a fiery blaze of ionization. I'm driving down the freeway pretty much trapped as hundreds of smaller craft descend in columns from the larger mothership. Seconds later, they all flood in an attack and without pause, fire down upon traffic, buildings, power plants, and roadways. Before we can even shift lanes for the nearest freeway exit, the entire fleet of smaller craft pours over us and unleash hell upon the city. Within minutes, the entire city lay in ruins. It's the moment of attack on our own vehicle, and I'm so afraid for my children. When we're struck, we explode, and I awake. Let me be the first to admit I have watched my share of sci-fi and UFO movies over the years, from Steven Spielberg to Independence Day and the X-Files, you name it. Any mind may very well be influenced by popular culture, and I'm quite aware that this may just be the very real case and culprit, especially given my penchant for visual cognitive prowess and imagination. I'm also a hobby researcher of many subjects, one of which being psychology and sociology. So I obviously realize there is no shortage of potential for societal inputs and influences. I'm also aware of the way the subconscious processes daily events and represents them through symbolism, and that affects us each day when we awake, often helping us to find resolutions or work through many of life's unknowings. So I have no problems admitting that may very well be the case of the matter. I'm fine and okay with that possibility as well. Although I also have to admit, I've never been so awoken, so resolute due to dreams before or since. It's definitely been more than a few years since and there has been no invasion nor giant war with aliens from above. For years I did have the inclination to go stargazing and camping quite often. Even still, I enjoy regular hikes to high altitude vantage points or drives to city lookouts. I've even been to Area 51 and a number of other locations along the 33rd parallel, thanks to some good friends that enjoy the outdoors and are down for a good adventure. Have I seen anything since? Indeed, I sure have, and the majority of it is just as peculiar and not easily classifiable and not easily explained. There have been at least three good sightings since. The first was during the first phase of dreams back in 06. It was smaller because of the distance, yet still had to be of good size to even be seen. It was orange and was eyes ionized and glowing spherical object that myself, my lady, and two friends all witnessed over the western mountains of Las Vegas one evening while we were barbecuing out back. The next was off extraterrestrial highway split between Area 51 to the north and S4. To the west when again a bright light on the horizon began to instantly blink in and out of various quadrants in the sky. This lasted for 5 to 10 minutes 
However, sure enough, it's stuck on the phone, unshareable, no matter how many times we try, it won't download, save to the cloud, or anything else. The third could easily be shared between sightings with my daughter, or again with my lady in Flagstaff, Arizona, high in the mountains early in the morning, or a number of others with friends. In the end, while nothing is ever manifest from this last phase of dreams, it has most definitely left me with a quickening of sorts. Not only do I keep one eye to the skies, I research each new docket that slips through the cracks by corporations, purportedly disclosed by governments and various authors and insiders that attempt to share insight facts, photos, or footage. As for the original two phases of the dreams, I am all but certain they are real and did happen in some shape or form, as I have been able to consciously recollect so much of it as if it were truly concrete happening from my past with more than just vague recollections, especially after my dreams themselves seem to jar loose memories. They now remain as part of me in my personal journey. Obviously, they have not only inspired me to share them in research on the subject matter, as well as inspired me to create this podcast and much more. So feel free to follow alongside me in this journey. Tune into the beyond and in search of more as I interview listen to and share many more folks' interactions and encounters with the unknown, the alien and the multidimensional reality that has become our modern universe. Until then, stay tuned for the next episode of The Experiencer Podcast. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to join me today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, subscribe, or follow The Experiencer Podcast. If you have an experience you'd like to share, you can contact me at theexperiencerpodcast at gmail.com with your story. One last bit of direction for all you listeners out there. The Experiencer Podcast is building a companion website that will showcase and feature both any accompanying photos, footage, or details allowed or submitted alongside stories featured on the podcast when permissible. It is in this vein that the Experiencer Podcast is seeking and now accepting any footage of alleged sightings, encounters, or experiences caught on camera. Please forward any links, footage, or photos via WeTransfer or Dropbox to the email theexperiencerpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, everyone, and until next time, be sure to take care and, of course, keep those eyes on the skies. Good night.